Welcome to Green Pastures Broadcast with Bishop James Hansen Saki, presiding bishop of Christ Church Group of Churches located in the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Ghana, and USA. This morning, let's talk about love. But marriage is established by God, amen? amen? And the key thing needed in the marriage is love. Somebody shout love. love. See, we always talk about love. People talk about they are in love. But love is hard work. Amen. Love is very hard work. And love is a decision. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. Amen. God decided to love us. It was a decision. When we messed up, God so loved the world that he gave. And you find out that in the giving process, it was not an easy thing to do. Love is not an easy thing to do. But if we will keep the marriages that we believe God gave to us, and the marriages that we believe we are entering into, we need to understand that it will work with love, but love must be an intentional act. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 really brings us to the place of understanding love and to see clearly that love is not an emotion. It is a deliberate decision. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't fall in love accidentally, you must make up your mind. And you must decide to go through this wonderful enterprise called marriage with determination, but with a hard mind. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, therefore shall a man, not a boy, you have to grow to be a man. And being a man has nothing to do with age, but with maturity of mind. Emotional maturity, amen, and psychological maturity. And I believe that under this should be spiritual maturity. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says that though I speak with the tongues of men, from verse 1, and of angels, but I have no love, I am just like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know those cymbals on the drums? It's just making noise and there's no, there's no message. So he says that if we can even speak with the languages of angels, he was, this is an hyperbole, it doesn't mean there are languages of angels. If there's any way of communication, there could be only one language in heaven. Amen. It can't be many languages. There was only one language on earth. The the reason why we have multiple languages was as a result of rebellion and sin. Genesis 6 tells us there was only one language on the face of the earth. It was when they decided to rebel and to build the Tower of Babel with an intent to get to heaven and to do all that they want to do. The Bible says God scattered them and gave them multiple languages so they could not understand each other. Amen. So this is a hyperbole. That means that he just stressed it. So sometimes people say things that 
is not really what they want to say, but they want to stress a very important point. That even if I could speak with tongues of men and the languages of angels and I don't have love, then I'm just like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What it is is that I am just making noise. I am an empty barrel making noise. There is nothing fruitful in you. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, again, you see the hyperbole again, because even if you have got the gift of prophecy, you cannot have understanding of all mysteries because there's only one entity that understands all mysteries and he is God. So he's just playing with words here. Even if I could do all of this, that's exactly what he's trying to say here. And all knowledge... And though I have all faith, so I could even remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. That's why love is important. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Especially in the relationship and marriage context. If I can be very spiritual and I don't have love, then I am nothing, as the scripture is saying. If we can come to church and serve God and we don't have real love, in the relationship and the marriage, then we are empty barrels, making noise. May your noise carry weight, in Jesus' name. And though I give all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I don't have love, it will profit nothing. So love is powerful. Now he begins to tear down this thing called love, and tells us that love suffers long. This thing is not emotional. It means that you must intentionally decide to suffer. If you decide to love, love comes with some suffering. Amen. Prosper, it comes with some suffering. Hallelujah. And you must have what it takes to suffer long. Amen. Not briefly. Today's marriages, they get married. Then before I realize, no, I don't think we are compatible and we are, we are living. You are joking. This thing is not for boys and girls. It's, that's why it's not emotional. It must be a decision. Jesus decided to hang in there for love's sake. Tell somebody for love's sake. For love's sake. Hallelujah. For love's sake, you suffer long. We don't hope that from the beginning. But in the process of relationship and marriage, you will find that you have to put up with some things for long. Amen. So you suffer for long. Amen. That's your desire. Is that, you see, you, we are looking into glory and beauty and love and romance and a man that can carry me and lift me to my bedroom and all of that. Those things, they are nice fantasies and prayers. Sometimes it starts off in a whirlwind fashion, but somewhere along the line, things can go wrong because you are dealing with human beings. Amen. And so, love suffers long, and at the same time, it is kind. Kindness is not an emotion. It's a decision. Love is kind. You have to be kind to people who you are relating with in a marriage, who are not kind. Sometimes, you, you marry people who are not kind. And you still have to show them love. 
Because they have not yet understood this. If they don't know, bring them to church so I can teach them this one. But because you think they are like you, they are not like you. So, you see, most of the things that people do before they get married, sometimes they are all pretenses until the real thing hits. Then you begin to see true character, true behavior. Because the rest were all nice, nice, nice. Hello. When he first met, he was speaking Cockney. After you got married, then he speaks, he speaks three English. <laughs> then you realize that not everybody is kind. He either had to learn to be kind or she had to learn to be kind. But that is love. Love is kind. And kindness doesn't just happen. Somebody must deliberately decide to be kind. That is love. There's a lot of pretenses. I told you some time ago, I think about nine years ago or ten years ago, I was preaching on marriage in church. And I, I, I cited an example of a, of a quarrel every Sunday morning between a couple. Before they go to church, they'll quarrel. Maybe some of you have had your quarrel already. Maybe Alex has annoyed Sarah already this morning before they go to church. We annoy each other. Yeah. Mr. Poku, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Andrew, you are smiling behind the camera. Your time will come. (laughs) Glory to Jesus. Maxwell, what are you scratching on your head? I'm talking. Just pay pay attention. You understand what I'm talking about. But this couple, every Sunday morning, there is a quarrel. Either one of them will come. And the other doesn't come. So I tried to find out what is going on. And then I asked the other person, what's the matter? She won't talk. The other one, too. When I asked the man, why is it that, well, you came, but she didn't come. So oh, don't mind her. But I don't mind her. She annoys me on Sunday. I said, what is the matter? He won't say. So finally, I had to go to the house to meet them. And say, this thing, I don't like what is going on. Because I can see this shift pattern that has been going on. And I realized that it's not that you are at work, but you have been angry at each other. And then the lady said, okay, Pastor, today I will tell you, the reason is about, I want him to wear suit. (laughs) And on Sunday mornings, he chose not to wear suit. And it annoys me. And so we quarrel and I said, don't follow me with that thing. If it's not suit, then I'm not coming. So it becomes a quarrel all the time. And he too said, don't control me. Monday to Friday, I wear suit to work and now I have to wear it to church. I want to wear something. It's, I want you to be in suit. And sometimes she has also brought me in. You know, she's not managing the thing well. Then she brings me to the picture and the man too gets angry and sometimes also insults me in the bedroom. <laughs> because he said, I want you to dress like bishop. Just be honest. I'm not him. The man said, I'm not him. Then he ends up saying something that he has to repent later on. I know some of you say things in your bedroom. But, so she, <laughs> so I listened carefully and I said, what is this issue about suit? And then from experience, I asked the gentleman. So I asked the lady first, where did you meet? She works in the bank. He too works in another firm, and he visits the bank, and then they 
and he goes to transact business, and transaction led to transactions. <laughs> so I said, the first time you saw him, what was he wearing? She said, suit, white shirt, red tie. She could even remember everything. So I said, okay, the first time you asked her out, what did you wear? Suit. Was it working hours? She said, no. You went to a restaurant? Yes. In the evening? Yes. Not working hours? Yes. Was it a weekday or weekend? He said, weekend. I said, my brother, you don't have a kiss. <laughs> it means that you impressed her with something that she loved. And even when you were going to propose to her, you were in suit. My brother, take the suit and follow to church. This settles the matter. See, before marriage, what were you, the, the, what the, the impression you are creating, you must maintain it. Otherwise, you create a problem. So for her, that's what she said. I, I like men in suit. So you can't wear this Adwa Yankee and follow me to church. <laughs> you cannot be wearing this thing just before. I don't like it. Oh, you look so. I don't, I don't want this. I want you to be organized. But that is the impression you gave him when we started. So the man is not being kind in the relationship. He has to follow what he started with. You must follow it through. Amen. So if you don't have a palace, don't promise palace. Amen. Because she will be looking for it. That is the reason why in premarital relationship and counseling, my first question when they come, I say, I am in love. I say, tell me before her what made you decide to accept his proposal. Tell me. Because I need to know that. It will help me solve one problem one day when you forget. Because of all the reasons, there must be one thing. Amen. And when you get to know the one thing, you must maintain it. Because that's the main thing that attracted the other person. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, when my pastor, my pastor asked me, asked her why she wants to marry me, she said it was because of my prayer life. I told myself I'm finished. <laughs> if I don't pray in this house, she, she will change everything. Amen. And I've seen it over the years that, yes, that's what she's looking for. Amen. Somebody who can pray with her and somebody who prays. So sometimes she says, you didn't pray with me. But you pray with the other person on the phone. So you spend 30 minutes praying for that person on the phone. I say, you are timing that one too. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. At least believe that when I touch you for one second, it should work. She also wants the same time and attention. She's competing with the church members. <laughs> it is well with me. Amen. Amen. Love suffers. Love does not envy. You are not born with that one. You must intentionally decide not to envy. Amen. Love, and sometimes we think that it's outside. Even in relationships and marriage, one person envies the other. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. I've seen in marriages where some, a man envies his wife because her salary is higher than his. Mm. 
Hey! I thought it's our own. My promotion should be pleasure for you. That guy was, no, 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 no. He envies his wife. He's serious. He's serious, oh. He's serious. Love does not envy. You must decide not to envy. Amen. You must decide not to envy. You must decide not to envy. Hallelujah. Love does not envy. I found out by experience that you have to give a lot away to make peace. If you want a thriving marriage relationship, you must decide to give a lot away to make peace. Listen, there are no new, there's no angel anywhere to marry anyone. Everyone you marry will have a but in their life. He's handsome, but He's cool, but he's hardworking, but he has some but because he's a human being. He has a frailty. She has a frailty. She has a weakness. She has something that when you begin to see, you won't be happy with it. Because there is no perfect falling human being. There's none. The clay is vulnerable. Amen? Amen. So it means that there are grounds, there are things that will make you envy someone that you didn't intend to envy. Love does not envy. And apart from the enviness that shows up even strangely between people that are supposed to be in love, sometimes it is even carried on to children. Where a father or a mother envies the daughter or the son. As the girls will say, it's strange. Aubrey, it's very, very strange. Father envies the son or daughter. A mother envies a daughter. Yeah. We have a case we are dealing with. A mother is envying a daughter because of the marriage she has gotten. Hey, that she didn't get that type of marriage. She went to look at the, at the, at the building the husband of the daughter is building and she said, hey, is she the one going to live in this house? Charlie, where is the love of a mother? You see, it's a decision. It's a decision. These are the ingredients of love. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself arrogantly. The old king, then he says, it is not puffed up. Pride. Pride. Love It's not proud. It doesn't parade itself boastfully. It's humble. It's a decision. Amen. It's a decision. 
It's a decision. It's not arrogant. It's not puffed up. It cannot be corrected. Things cannot be suggested. I was going through a paragraph in one of the many books on the way on marriage. 20 lessons in 20 years. It's condensed. But I said, in the marriage enterprise, if you think you cannot be corrected, and you are always right, that cannot be corrected, then very soon, your pride and arrogance disguised as self-confidence will lead to the destruction of your relationship. You must be humble. You won't know everything. Sometimes you are taking a wrong decision. A spouse will be able to say, I think this is not right. This is not correct. This is not. And you, you ask for you, you can't be corrected. You, nothing can be so. You are king of kings and lord of lords. Love is not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It's not bossy. It doesn't beat the other down. Amen? It doesn't shut the other down. See, when you don't like what is being said, there is a better way of also giving your side rather than being arrogant and insulting in the process. See, when people can't argue properly, they throw in insults. Don't be puffed up in Jesus' name. That's why you must intentionally open your eyes to enter into love. Because if you fall into love, by the time you get up, the guy is gone. (laughs) It says love does not behave rudely. Is that there? This is not emotion. This is intentional, self-control. Things will happen in the relationship that you must still not carry yourself about rudely. Sisters, tame the tongue. Alice, tame that tongue. Tame it down. Tame it. Glory to Jesus. We are fighting. I've not seen a woman angry before. Try. Stop it. Man, you can be angry, but you must not be rude. Because that is still your head. Are you here, sisters? According to Ephesians chapter 5, the man is not the head of the home. Check it. He is the head of the woman. Let's run there quickly and come back. Ephesians. Let's follow God's way. When we follow God's way, we will be fine. When we follow these feminists, we will have problems. Glory be to Jesus. Am I helping the church? Twenty-three, but twenty-two and then twenty-three. Five, twenty-two. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Tell somebody, get your own husband. As to the Lord. Amen. Submit to your own husband like we submit to the Lord. And then the next verse, why? For, the word for means because. Because the husband 
is the head of the house. Is the head of who? Oh, church, help me. Is the head of who? Okay, let's go back to First Corinthians. He's the head of the wife. He's the head of the wife. So don't be rude. Amen. Because he's your head. Husband, you can't also be rude. Because the Bible says that you represent Christ in the home. You are the head. You must set the right example. Head must not be rude. Amen. You, you make your point without being rude. That is maturity. Sometimes you are provoked, but you exercise self-control. Isn't it? Can't you exercise self-control? Sometimes you feel like saying something back. Control yourself. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen. And control yourself. Control yourself. Control yourself. See, when you exercise self-control, it doesn't mean you don't know what you are about or what to say. But you are moving to the highest level of conduct. Amen. Jesus knew who he was. But in the heat of the moment, when he was being slapped, and Pontius Pilate said, are you not saying anything? Look at the many accusers. And the Bible said, he said nothing. Shocking. Pilate was shocked. He was really astonished, as the scripture said in John. He was really shocked that you said nothing. Self-control. Amen. Self-control. Last week we were looking at Word of Wisdom. You saw that he knelt down. He could have spoken. Some of us, we are quick to talk. Calm down. Amen. It doesn't mean you don't know when to... There are certain circumstances that you carry yourself with dignity. Remember, no matter the situation, you must still lead. As man... You must still lead. And you can still make your point without making an enemy. In Jesus' name. That's why the scripture says, if you really say you love, this is the, we are breaking down. Love, this is the anatomy of love. It does not behave rudely. Hallelujah. Rudeness is a weak person's imitation of strength. When you are weak and you are imitating strength, you become rude. It does not seek its own. In other words, it's not selfish. It's not selfish. It always wants to say, you see, when you are selfish, the characteristics of selfish people is that they want to hear, they want to receive. They, they are always, their mouth always says thank you. Their ears have never heard thank you from somebody. Did you get the message? They don't give. They are stingy. Stingy husbands and stingy wives. Does not seek its own. True love doesn't seek its own. It gives. God so loved the world, he gave. Brothers, when was the last time you bought something for her? After you brought the six pieces of cloth, Agbina, since then, she has been providing and providing and providing. And she's sacrificing and sacrificing. And, and yours is limited. When, you, when yours have to come out, it comes out with pain. <laughs> Stingy husbands, as if they are in labor ward, when they will give, it pains them 
Father, be delivered this morning. For if you really love and you are in a marriage, I told you from the beginning of the message, it is an intentional thing. It's an intentional act. You must intentionally not seek your own. You prefer the other first. That's how it works in the thing. Amen. Learn to make the transition. You are no longer a single man. When you used to do things on your own, now there's someone in. Glory to Jesus. Sister, give. Some sisters, they give. Others, too, they, too, they are like the one I just described. Very stingy. Everything is about them. Nothing for you. They follow strictly the advice of certain old women who tell them when they go into the marriage, losses are for the man. Profit is for us. Does not seek his own. It's not easily provoked. Is that there? Is that there? Not easily provoked. Exercise self-control. That is genuine love. Amen. When you love, you exercise self-control. It's not easily provoked. Doesn't mean you are not a human being. There are certain things that maturity would dictate that you ignore. Amen. When it goes on for a long time, you find the wise way and the matured way of addressing them. When we messed up in the garden, God still loved us. And he found a matured way of finding solution to the issue. He didn't just throw us out. So every little thing, pack your things and get out of here. Every little, I don't love you anymore. I wish I did. Don't use those words in the marriage. Amen. Don't use those words. Don't be easily provoked. Things know evil. See, this should sound very easy, but remember, he was even writing to Christians. It means that in the marriage, some people think evil of the other. Then why did we marry? Think evil of the other. There was a pastor who organized prayer meeting. That his wife should die. And some people were busy praying their prayers. I told one of those people, I said, what kind of prayer are you praying? He said, stop that prayer meeting. Stop it. It's unscriptural. What is it that you can't handle now you want to pray that she dies? So you get a chance to marry another. As if the one you marry is eternal. You can marry her, she will die the next day. It's possible. So what is the meaning of this? What is it that can be solved that it has to now move to the point where you are thinking such evil? When is she going to die? We've also seen situations where a wife desires a man dies quickly. For life insurance. Oh, yes. Time will fail me to give you breakdown. Examples of, I've seen things. <laughs> it is not easily provoked and thinks no evil. Have you seen? This is not emotion. You must intentionally decide, I won't think evil. 
It doesn't matter the provocation. I won't think evil. There are times in the process of the marriage, there is a showdown. Serious exchange of words. But that, despite all of that, you must be matured enough to know, I wish he even dies. You can't think that way. You can't think that way. The matter at stake is what we are dealing with. But you must not think that way. True love does not think evil. Amen. Doesn't think evil. True love. By the time we got here, check whether you have really been in love. Amen. The scripture says that it does not rejoice in iniquity. When misfortune comes, it doesn't rejoice. It serves him right. No, I didn't. I advised him he didn't take it. Now it serves him right. Yes, there's a lesson to be learned, but you don't do it triumphantly. Amen. But rejoices in the truth. <laughs> now, that scripture is serious. Amen. It rejoices in the truth. That means it loves truth. And when you hear things that are true, it gladdens your heart. Now, if you want to hear things that are true, you must also speak things that are true. We must be truthful to each other in the relationship. True love speaks truth. Amen. True love gives. True love forgives. Amen. And it rejoices in the truth. Intentionally rejoices in the truth. Not in lies. Don't follow Ananias, Mrs. Ananias. If you follow him, you will both die in church. Rejoice in the truth. Speak truth. Amen. Next. It bears all things. A. Love. Equa. Love bears all things. It bears all things. That means that it, it tolerates things. You have to bear it. There are heavy things in the relationship, in the marriage, that you must still carry. There are some things they will never go away till death you, do you part. So you must bear with them. Glory be to Jesus. Those ones, they are the chronic diseases of the marriage. We, we don't cure them. We manage them. Glory to Jesus. There are attitudes and behaviors. They won't change. But you must bear them till death do you part. You know what I'm talking about. There are some you can believe God to pray for to change. But the more you fast and pray, the more the thing grows wings. You bear with those things. You bear with the slow decision-making of the other person. You bear with the socks on the north and the trousers in the south. 
Every time you come, you are collecting things. You've done that for the children. You come and daddy's own too. Every time you are picky. 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 Every time you are picky. You have talked and talked. Anytime you talk, it's going to be an issue. Just leave it. These are things you bear. You have to. You bear all things. Amen. Love bears all things. And the Bible says, hopes, believes all things. I want you to know that it takes a long time to believe things. Amen. You can't just believe everything quickly like that. Sometimes in the process of time, you find out that something is not true. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. There was a complicated marriage I handled one and a half years ago or two years ago. The, the, the wife of this man discovered that all the academic qualifications he has was not true. Charlie! She called and said, Pastor, I'm leaving right now. I said, you hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, I can, I can, look, I can copy all of them and send it to you. I have found this, I have found that, I have found this, I have found that, I have found that. I said, hey! By the time I finished the phone, my emails were just, it just popping, popping, popping. <laughs> hey, Charlie, he didn't have a degree. But he's got, he's got two, two PhDs. That's what he told the lady. And he's working in certain places and he does some things and he, he goes to a hospital and comes out and changes and, and she believes it all the way. Until something happened and she discovered something and then one thing led to the other. Charlie! Believes all things. It takes time to believe all things. Amen. It takes time to believe all things. That's why you must find some things. That's how our fathers were correct. When you come and say you want to get married, they, they go to fish out some things and come back. But these days, fast food generation. We met at McDonald's. They said, we want to get married. They don't check anything. We want to go. You go ahead. You will discover these things later on, and you must bear with them. <laughs> you will bear with them. <laughs> you, you, you will have to bear with them. <laughs> Amen. You have to bear with them. Bears all things. Hopes all things. Be hopeful in the marriage that all things will be well. Amen. All the behaviors you don't like, hope that it will be well. Don't just come out. Every little thing I'm coming. Where are you going? I told you in this church, if you meet an angel, you can't marry him. Because you'll be fed up with his wings. If he sleeps by heartically by heart, like the way some of our brothers sleep, you flap your face with the wings, and by the time you wake up, every time you wake up with swollen face, you have to wear spectacles to work, goggles. Dark sunglasses. You divorce the angel. He's not going to walk around Trafalgar Square with you. With wings. No. You divorce him. God too, you can't marry him. He's not going to go out with you. He has said in his word, no one will see him and leave. And sisters, the way you like to show off your man, you won't see him. 
like our 20th marriage anniversary, there will be no picture of because they're still holding me like that. Because I'll be invisible. <laughs> you can't see God. What are your friends going to see? Nothing. They come to your engagement and say, you alone, you are seeing this God. <laughs> they only come and watch you. You'll be tired very soon. You want to go out to get a shoe. He knows your size already. He brings it. He just stretches. And by the time you're in the bedroom, he says, size six, have it. <laughs> say everything. You can't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere with him. You walk alone. You divorce God. There is no perfect man anywhere. There's no perfect woman anywhere. We work it out until we get the perfection. Hallelujah. What you are complaining about is somebody's intercession. <laughs> what you think you have a problem, when somebody sees it, say, give it to me. I, I will give you mine. <laughs> you don't understand. You are even blessed you are complaining. <laughs> you are blessed you are complaining. <laughs> you don't know. That's why you don't discuss certain things with people. Because when they get to what you are complaining about, say, you, you haven't seen trouble before. If this, this one you are complaining, <laughs> I've got the stamina for that one. I will take yours and come and take mine for one day and see. Hopes all things and deals all things. Hallelujah. <laughs> Love is not an unbeliever. Love must believe things. Amen. You must hope for things. What you see in yourself, begin to see the future and begin to believe God for it and begin to call that into being in the other person. Speak things into the person. Sometimes the person you have married has not come from a home that has properly seen an organized home before. So he really doesn't know how to love, how to live with a woman, how to organize a home. He has no clue. He only knows how to have sex. That's all. The rest, he just, he doesn't know how to lead a woman. He doesn't, he doesn't. So, you have to believe God and trust God. Amen. And pray that God will transform the person's heart, male or female. There are some sisters, they don't know how to cook. Basic home management and organization, zero. They know how to make makeup and eyelashes. That's all. When you take them to the kitchen, you have brought trouble. Put all the ingredients there. This is whole chemistry for them. They will boil the yam like that. Just take it. And just cook it. With the skin. Just lift it and put it there. Don't know when it has finished cooking or not. Bible says they endure all things. Sometimes you have to endure a wife who doesn't know how to cook. You have to endure it. <laughs> and if you know how to cook, you help her sort it out. It's called love. You are being kind to her. Don't tell the world she doesn't know. Don't report to your mother. Before your mother comes for a visit, you have done a lot of cooking training with her before they come. Otherwise, you must find a wise way to explain. Because when they come to visit, and every time we are eating from the restaurant, your mom will ask a question. If I had that situation, I know it's going to be serious. Because my mom is very, very inquisitive. 
I know if she's there in my house, she'll be checking things. But thank God my wife knows how to cook. <laughs> but when yours, yours has that problem, you must sort it out. Take her out. Let her visit another family friend. Let, let her learn some things. And you must be humble to learn. Sister, be humble to learn. Oh. Because the day of visitation will come. <laughs> You'll be found wanting. You must endure all things. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You must endure all things. You endure both the weaknesses of each other. And I can tell you, endurance, I may have to endure. Endurance does not come with smiles. Endurance doesn't come with smiles. It comes with some pain. It comes with some uncomfortable situation. Have you seen soldiers going on an endurance walk or march? Finally, it's, it's not easy. You know, you twist your face and do things to gain the momentum, to keep on going on, to keep on, you are enduring things. So sometimes not everything will be rosy. There are times that we have to go through the pain before we see the gain. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Bible says true love endures all things. And I, come, I, I, I want you to understand that, you know, love comes with pain. Jesus had to go through some pain to show us the love he has for us. Love can be painful. Love can be very painful. And Jesus' love was a very painful process for us. It was painful. He left heaven and came down, sacrificed Hang on the cross, spat upon, humiliated. It's all part of the process of love. Amen. When we meet people, we only know them from the outside. As we progress deeper into the relationship, we will get to discover who they are. And the truth is that when there is real love, things cannot be hidden. The closer you get, Things start opening up. The person would deliberately open things up. And so you will find a lot of things. When a person becomes comfortable, all the things that they were pretending and putting up will start showing. So you see the vulnerability of the person. And that's where you make a decision to love both the strength and the weakness of the person. For God loved us, and the Bible says he knew our frailty, that we are dust and ashes. And that's why the psalmist said, what is man that you are so mindful of him? Who is the son of man that you pay attention to him? This is love. It was that love that drove him from heaven when he knew that we are dust and ashes. Who dies for dust and ashes? It was a decision he made to love us. That in the whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. The person you have married is flesh and blood. He is dust and ashes. He will make mistakes. He will commit errors. But if he or she will also follow this, then we can easily heal. Amen. Because love is a decision. And the things that we have seen today, they are very clear indication that the things, some of the virtues of love that we have just seen, you will find out that none of them is emotional. 
Each of the things we have mentioned are clear, intentional decisions that you have to make to love. Amen. To love. You must make that decision. You must make that decision. You must make that decision. Everything is not what we see. Everything is not what we see. And when someone comes and says, Pastor, you know, her beautiful eyes is the thing that has to <laughs> And I said, if your love is just based on beautiful eyes, what happens if there is an accident somewhere along the line of the marriage and she loses one eye? Would you still love? It's a decision. It's a decision. Amen. If he loses an arm, what's going to happen? If she loses a leg, and she can't wear the high heels anymore, what are you going to do? Love must be beyond these things. And in the midst of all that, there must still be a deliberate, intentional decision to love. Whether the person is rich or poor, when we genuinely love, we can make wealth together. Hallelujah. That's why sometimes it's better to marry early when you haven't made any wealth. So we work together to make it. Because sometimes when we take too long to get married, you are not sure whether the person is coming in because of your wealth or because of you. Glory be to Jesus. May the Lord send his power to strengthen marriages in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive strength to endure the marriage. The Bible says love endures all things. Hopes for all things. Hope that things will be well. Abraham hoped against hope. When hope was against him, he still hoped. The Bible says he even hoped, knowing very well with his natural mind that Sarah's womb was dead at 90. She's not ovulating anymore. It's a dead womb. But Abraham hoped for her against hope. Natural hope was against them. He hoped against that hope. May your hope be high. Because faith works on hope. In Jesus' name. Hope that things will turn around. Great hope, God honors that in Jesus' name. So things may be looking funny, but you take your side and show true love. Sometimes the administration of our love is what will finally touch the other person and you to change the equation and bring a balance. Amen. Sometimes when somebody shows you wickedness and you continue to show kindness, it gets to a point, it ministers to them in their conscience. And they realize... Like King Saul said of David, many times he tried to kill him. And anytime David gets a, t- a chance to kill him, David did not kill him. And at the last encounter, King Saul stood afar off. He could see his javelin, his spear, and the jug in the hands of David. And he realized the guy came that close. He could have actually killed me with this. This is an anointed warrior. He's not just a skilled soldier. He's even anointed to fight. He fought a 
a, a giant that I couldn't fight. We were anointed by the same pastor, Samuel, and I could not deal with Goliath. He came and dealt with him. He carries what I don't carry. He could have killed me within a second. His mighty men, 600 of them, the Bible says they were anointed to fight. One of them could kill 800 Philistines. They were dangerous and bedestrous men. Left-handed men, the scripture describes them. They could kill at a minute. When they got closer, Abishai just said to him, give me one second, I'll just finish him. He said, nobody touches the Lord's anointed and goes without judgment. Leave him. At the right time, God himself will take care of him. But I will not kill him to become king. My blood, my hands will not be found as if it has touched his blood. Let God deal with it. But when he crossed to the other side and he called Saul, Saul looked at the thing and he said, you have been more righteous than I am. One day you become king. Effectively, he handed over. He said, you become king. When you become king, remember my family. The next chapter, he goes to war and dies. David walks to the throne. He said, you have been more righteous than I am. Our good acts, most of the time, has a way of ministering to the conscience of the person who is doing the wrong thing. Be a Christian. Stay on the high ground. Hold your ground in prayer. Let your hope draw you to your feet and believe God and ask God to deal with that man and to deal with that woman on your behalf. Sometimes that's how I've prayed. Lord, if you are the one who have married this woman, how would you handle her? <laughs> Inspire me with what it takes to handle her the way you would have handled her. Because we have to understand, we have married human beings who are full of mistakes and errors as well. We can't get it right all the time. But our hope is that this thing will work. And that hope should take us to our knees and ask God to take charge. Don't drop certain things. Don't give up easily. Don't give up easily on the marriage. Hallelujah. Don't give up easily. Don't give up easily. There are certain things they are yours. They don't come easily. The enemy will contend for it. You must hold your ground in prayer and fight for your own thing. Don't give it away. Sometimes people have thrown things away. Another person comes and repairs the thing. Is that the same person? Yes. You didn't know how to handle it. I know how to handle that one. Oh, that one is, yeah, because you didn't know that that was still gold. That you could take it through fire and it would come out better. See, people in Africa were sitting on oil. But they didn't know its value. They thought, what's this dirty thing coming from the ground? Until somebody from this part of the world with a different skin color came to the place. Look at it and say, really? Then they fenced the whole dirty thing you are calling. They brought machines and start drilling and start drilling and start drilling and start controlling the economy of the world. What you call dirty, you didn't know it is oil. May God help you to endure all things because sometimes at the end of endurance, there is revelation Amen. as to why the thing is going the way it's going. Amen. May God help you this morning. I pray that this message has come to bless some lives. In Jesus' mighty name. May there be healing in our relationships and marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we begin to pray? Thank you.
This has been a broadcast of Green Pastures with Bishop James Hansen Saki of the Christ Church International Group of Churches located in the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Ghana, and USA. For further information, please contact us on telephone plus 44-7376-355-621 on the web www.christchurches.org. Facebook, Christ Church International. Christ Church, changing lives, fulfilling destinies on the foundation of God's Word.